Welcome into the newest episode of Side Mission. I, like always, am your host, Rusty Ellis, today, joined by just one of the boys, Thacker. And today we are talking about Supermassive Games' spiritual successor to Until Dawn. It's The Quarry. And Thacker, I think the funny thing about this game, just to start this off, is that this was a game that actually really wasn't on our radar all that much. I know it wasn't on mine. I'm pretty sure it was on it was on yours a lot closer to release date. Uh, I got it as a as just pretty much just an impulse buy. Uh, what was it? Uh, were you a big Until Dawn fan? I don't think we've ever talked about Until Dawn because Until Dawn never really hit with me. And I know it so, hit for a lot of other people. Did you love Until Dawn? I didn't know if you'd ever played it. I wasn't the biggest fan of Until Dawn. I did give it a chance. I did try it. I tested it out. I probably got through the first hour to two hours of it and realized at that time I was not big into the whole horror-esque game style. Yeah. Um, especially the storytelling style. Like, I give you props for being able to do the Telltale games. That's not for me. <laughs> oh, um, the point and click? Yeah, I, I feel yeah, that. But this was one that I absolutely loved. Um, for a spiritual successor, it definitely did justice. Yeah, I agree. I think that I like that. I like that little pun there, Justice, because Justice Smith is one of the is one of the lead <laughs> one of the lead roles in the game. That's funny that you said that. Uh, yeah, I, Until Dawn for me, I know that it hit with a lot of people. Obviously, it was a big success for Sony and for PlayStation, so much so that they included it in the PlayStation Plus collection for the PS5. Uh, Until Dawn for me. I, I don't think it was the story that didn't work. I thought the story was okay. It wasn't even the gameplay because, as you just mentioned, I love the Telltale games, so I don't mind point and clicks. I love games where I can influence the story. I love a game with different outcomes. I think that, for me, the big problem I had with Until Dawn was the believability of it all. And I know there are going to be people that have played the quarry that are going to roll their fucking eyes when they hear me say the word believability. Uh, it'll make sense. Just just let me get through this. Um, didn't really buy the whole Wendigo curse thing. Didn't really buy that. That, you know, the whole the story. Uh, spoilers if you haven't seen or haven't played Until Dawn. About to spoil the shit out of it. Uh, the, whole, the whole basis of the story is that if somebody on this mountain turned to cannibalism, they became a Wendigo. They became this monster. And well, that, to me, wasn't, like... To me, it was one of those where it's like, okay, this is, like, C-tier horror movie, like, D-list actors. And to be fair to Until, to Until Dawn's acting, there are two pretty big names in acting. Hayden Panettiere plays the main role, Sam. And Rami Malek, who many people know, obviously portrayed Freddie Mercury in Bohemian Rhapsody. They both... You know, Hayden, Hayden didn't really get her start there. That was one of the first, like, major things I saw Rami Malek in because I never watched Mr. Robot. I thought the rest of the cast was absolutely abysmal, though. So, for me, it was the believability of it all, and the rest of the cast didn't find any of their performances all that great, didn't really like them all that much. Um, I think the quarry succeeds with flying colors in just about all of those things, though. In terms of storytelling, oh, I, think, I think this story is way more compelling than Until Dawn. In terms of gameplay even, I think the gameplay, while a lot of it hasn't changed and a lot of the don't move sections from Until Dawn have turned into don't breathe sections in the quarry and those can get kind of irritating late in the game, I think those are way more tense than, than the don't move because you're talking about one twitch of your thumb on the X button or 
you know, whatever the hell the button is on Xbox. I haven't played my Xbox in months. Uh, you're talking about one twitch of your thumb, and you might get a character kill just because you let go of, you released enough pressure on the X button, and you breathed on accident. From that to the performances of the cast themselves, I feel like 80% of the cast is really, really solid here, whereas Until Dawn, it was about really like 25 to 30% of the cast was great. Um, it's not all perfect. The quarry has its issues, but I think that the first place, again, to start Thacker is in the story because I think, looking at the past few years, and this may be a, this may be a bold statement, uh, I think this is one of the more well-written stories that we've seen in the last two, three years of gaming. I think the story of this game really, really hits and makes you want to replay it and see other outcomes and see different things happen, see different choices happen. Uh, what did you think of the story, Thacker? I love the story. It definitely brought a lot into it. Mm -hmm. And real quick, just to like hit you with something with Until Dawn, the thing with that, um, the Wendigo actually, I mean, the whole myth behind it of if you fall to cannibalism, you become a Wendigo. I mean, that's actually within the whole mythology of it. Um, but again, I agree with you. It just, it didn't play off very well, but yeah. with, uh, the quarry, this one actually brought the story really well together. Uh, the twist with it, the absolute love of characters, and actually being able to not only just have the main story, but to actually have a little side story with it, talking about the portions at the end of each chapters with uh, oh, Eliza. Yeah. Like... That was brilliant because it allowed it kind of gave you more depth into it and gave you more backstory into this than I feel until Dawn did. I agree. I think it also I look at this story and, and I think that one funny thing that is true between Until Dawn and the Quarry, um and I, I'm able to laugh at this because even though it's it it does I think when we played it we were all kind of just still like this is one of the stupidest reasons that all this shit could be happening to any group of people. And until dawn, the main conflict occurs because this group of teenagers decides to go back to a lodge where a year previously, two of their friends died and they're supposedly getting closure. This one happens. I mean, can we, can this, we say this one, kind of story stuff? <laughs> like this, this one happens because a dude gets in his feelings and doesn't want a summer fling with a girl to end. And it ends up, depending on how you, depending on how you play it, it could end up in the demise of like 10 to 13, 14 people all because he doesn't want to stand. Now to be fair, it feel that part of it I feel is believable. I, I feel like these characters, in terms of portraying high school students, I feel like these characters were more spot on oh, with high school students uh, than Until Dawn. Until Dawn, I always felt like they were much older than what they were. True, and, I may, maybe that's just the way the actors look. I mean, obviously, I think, I can't remember, I think his name was Brett Dalton, the one that he played Mike in Until Dawn. I think he's like 32. And he was like 27, 28, 26 at the time of recording for Until Dawn at the time of production. And obviously they used, you know, they used, you know, they used their likenesses he doesn't look like a high school senior. He looks like he's my age and I'm 26. So yeah. I think that these characters, while they definitely do look mature, they they felt more like high school students. And as somebody who I, I spend obviously a lot of time around high school athletics, that's my main job uh, as a high school sports reporter. 
it, this felt more accurate to high schoolers nowadays. It felt a lot more accurate, and I think that that is what made this story work, is that I didn't feel like I was controlling a bunch of adults that were supposed to be high schoolers. It's that Tobey Maguire's Peter Parker uh, problem, where he looks a lot older than a high schooler, but he's playing a high schooler. I feel like that's what worked. Uh, there are pitfalls to that. Um, the number one... You had a question? What's up? So, when pretty much deciding the rest of the story, not knowing the part until I tell you, but... I want to know which decision you went with okay. because it, it, it makes me want, curious of how your story went towards mine. Okay. So when you're playing as Jacob right at the start of chapter two and you get the choice of either taking out the control arm or the rotor arm, messing with the, fuel line, yeah. the rotor arm, thank you, or the fuel line, which one did you pick? So I went with the rotor arm because my first playthrough, I, um, I saw... Uh, the tar- with the tarot cards, and we'll get to those in a second. Uh, with the tarot card, I, when I went and saw Eliza for the very first time, uh, the future she showed me was the car on fire. So my thing, my whole thing was, okay, I don't know if I want to do anything messing with the fuel because I feel like that is what could cause this car to blow up and cause the death of a character. So that is why I went with the rotor arm. Uh, I know that, obviously, you... I don't think you've asked for any help from Eliza so like in, in your entire playthrough, did you? Or am nope, I, right? I didn't ask for help at all throughout all of it. In fact, I didn't start collecting the tarot cards until about chapter three. Yeah. And But the reason I asked you that is I actually did the gas line. What ends up happening there? I'm curious. So with it, um, of course, the main uh, father figure in this was Chris Hat. Chris Hackett. Chris Hackett, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, was Chris Hackett. And so he goes to put the, like, try to, like, find a way to put the fire out. And so Jacob, who you, at this time, you are not controlling. Jacob grabs a bottle of water. <laughs> and as you mentioned before, Justin Smith's character, Ryan, stops, has the option to either let him or stop him, stop Jacob from delivering the bottle of water. I, of course, being the chaotic person I am, was like, no, we're going to let this thing burn to the ground. Um, And ultimately, it ended up putting, I think they put a blanket or a jacket over the fire to try to kill it. And honestly, it was, I'm glad I did it that way instead of the rotary arm. Yeah, I think that there's there's pros and cons. I think that's the real thing I like of this game is that there is a weight to every serious choice you have to make. And I like that. I like that there's actual weight to the choices. Now, let's get to the actual story. So the story follows, uh, ultimately, a group of nine camp counselors. Two of them you meet in the very beginning, Max and Laura. You meet them. They're on their way to Hackett's Quarry. They're going there. They're getting there a day early because they want to get there early and scope out the place. It makes it sound like they've traveled a lot further than the other characters have to get here. Uh, they don't really know where they're going. Well, they end up almost hitting something. They're not sure what, and they end up going off-road. Uh, a cop comes along uh, by the name of Travis. You don't learn his name until much, much later. Helps them out, tells them to go to this motel. They go to the quarry, obviously. <laughs> it leads to the line of the game, one of the best lines in the game, and uh, that's kind of kind of where we get into the game's first pitfall is the dialogue uh, for part certain characters for parts of what happens um but 
They end up going to the to you know the quarry. They, it's closed. It's locked. They can't get in. They you know Laura keeps telling Maxwell, Mister H knew that we were coming. Why is it on? Uh, why is it locked? Max ends up getting attacked. Long story short, in a storm cellar by a creature that we have no idea at this point what it is. Uh, and Laura is then is then injected with the syringe and is put unconscious. And it pans up and you find out that it's it's Travis. And that's when he utters the line, does this look like the heart? Like, it's one of those where it's like, I can't believe that was the take they got. And they said, yeah, that works. Um, <laughs> it's what, okay, the exact line, I just remember. It, it was, he said, does this look like the goddamn Harbinger Motel to you? And it's just a weird delivery. Um, it really, really is weird. So then... You get your title screen from there, and then you meet the other seven counselors, and you've heard us talk about Jacob and Ryan. Ryan's played by Justice Smith, uh, who most notably, as far as I know, I know he's in Detective Pikachu. He's in a movie on Netflix that was based off a book that everybody really, a lot of people I know apparently really liked. I can't remember what the name of the book was all of a sudden, though. Um, you meet, the, obviously, those two. Brenda Song is in it as Caitlin, and she is probably my favorite character. In the entire game, I think I thought Brenda Song did a fantastic job. London Tipton from Zack and Cody thought she was fantastic in this. Uh, Wait, you meet Zach Tinker is Jacob. Yeah, I got you. And then you meet uh, Dylan and Nick. Nick. So, okay, I have a question. What? What? Where did you think Nick was from? Was he British or was he Australian? Nick. Um. Oh, I couldn't tell half the time. I felt like. He was a mix of both. I don't know if the name recognizes anything to you. Evan Evagora. Does it say where he's from? Um, It does not. If it doesn't say where he's from, I'm interested in wondering if he's from the UK or if he's from Australia, and I wonder if that kind of gives us a little bit of insight. Um, and then you've got Dylan, obviously, who... Dylan's kind of like the goof of the group. He's like he's he's the guy that's like you know all oh, the government's watching us, but he has my other favorite line in the game, where he and Ryan are investigating something, and he says, "What if this isn't real? What if what if we're in a movie?" And he goes, Ryan looks at him and goes, "Really?" And he goes, "Yeah, maybe that's what they want you to think, man." Like the classic conspiracy hey, theorist. I loved that. You said what? That was your favorite line. I loved it because it was so. I don't want to say it was immersion breaking, but it was like it was a perfect line coming from Dylan's character because he very much had that energy the entire time. Like, spoiler alert! Like, you you get to a point in the game where you're faced with a choice. He gets bitten by one of these. Uh, we'll get to what they are in a minute. He gets bitten by one of them, and you have the choice to either shoot at the creature, I'm pretty sure, or cut his hand off uh, with a chainsaw. You cut his hand off. He reacts very calmly. <laughs> it was you can shoot his hand off or cut it with the chainsaw. Oh, you can shoot his hand off. Okay, that's interesting. But he reacts really calmly to you cutting his hand off. And I'm like, you know, from any other character, that might be weird. But from Dylan, it just almost feels normal. That almost just feels accurate to the character. Um, and then the last two... Line, oh, you go ahead. Sorry. Uh, my favorite line of his is, call 911. Call 911. <laughs> I just looks at him. Who says it like that? But uh, then you meet then you meet the last two characters. You meet Emma and Abigail. Um, and I, again, I think that for as far as the counselors and the, like, I feel like they nailed that high school vibe 
because they, they all certainly act like high schoolers. You start, you know, you, you, you start playing spin the bottle at one point, or truth or dare, that's what it was, spin the truth bottle my ass. Truth or dare, you, you play truth or dare at one point, and they all act like high schoolers. So it's one of those things where I feel like they nailed that part of this. So long story short, Jacob and Emma have had this summer fling going on. Jacob doesn't want it to end, or at the very least, he wants one more night so before they can all get in the van, he has the choice to either mess with the fuel line or take the rotor the rotor arm, and whatever you do, destroy like, damages the car just enough to where they have to stay overnight. Chris Hackett, they obviously the camp leader at this point, starts panicking. We're not really sure why. He tells Ryan, listen, you need to get everybody inside, lock up, do not open the door for any reason tonight. I will be here first thing in the morning. And again, up to this point, <laughs> you have no idea why. And it... It's crazy looking back on that and knowing where the story went from there to finding out that the main, and again, this is a massive spoiler alert for the quarry. If you have not played this game and you want to, this is time to log off. This is your time to log off. We will be here talking about this after you play the game so that you can hear more of our thoughts. Finding out though, that the hackets are a part of this curse to where I can't, I'm trying to remember all of them. I know it's Caleb and Kaylee, Chris's son and daughter. Chris himself, they are all werewolves. To where every full moon, they turn into these werewolves and they can't think for themselves. They can't control also, their actions. Um, uh, am, I, am I missing anybody else? Uh, Caleb? Uh, their dad. Is he is he infected? Yeah. If So later chapters, if you notice... Um, there's actually a scene. It's a short little scene where he's looking for um, spoilers. Laura's still alive. Um, where he's looking for Laura, and you see it in his eyes that they turn yellow. Yeah. And okay, I didn't notice that. Really, like it's a very brief thing because his okay. eyes are brown throughout the entire part of it. But there's a quick little like three seconds you can look, and his eyes turn yellow. Yeah. To symbolize him being one of the werewolves. By the way, Evan Evagora is from New Zealand. News. Okay, you know what? That makes sense too. I don't know why I left New Zealand out because their accents are very similar to Australians and British people as well. But he was he was raised in Australia. Okay, that's interesting. Um, well, in I'm, case you don't know, he's from. He played uh, one of the um, characters in the Star Trek Picard movie. Okay, I have never seen that. So or, I would have no clue. <laughs> No, it was a Paramount Plus uh, show for Star Trek Picard with, um, oh my God, I just forgot his name, Professor X. Oh, with, uh, oh my God, we're, we're, we look like terrible nerds right now. Patrick Stewart. Yes. We look like, yeah, we look like terrible nerds right now. Patrick Stewart. Yeah, I, I've never watched anything Star Trek, so I wouldn't have known that. I thought Nick was one of the be one of the better performances in the game, to be honest. I think that most of the counselors pretty well acted for the most part. Um, I think that when you look at this story, the long branching path, the long road it goes down, finding out that Laura and Max are still alive and hearing finding everything that, that happened to them. Yeah, finding like seeing the backstory at some point you meet up with Laura later in the game and she tells you the backstory of everything they've been through for the past two months. This game's story really hits really well. It does really good. And I know that a lot of reviews, it's reviewed really well. It's reviewed, you know, between a 7 and roughly an 8.5, 8.6. It's reviewing right around where I thought it would. 
but I think that the story, one thing I disagree with a lot of the reviews on, I think the story works multiple times through. I think it's, it works for sure multiple times through. And I know that's very subjective. It's a person-by-person -person basis. Uh, but I really do like it. If there's one thing that I think we do need to criticize, though, um, it's certain parts of the dialogue and how the dialogue was written. There are moments You're in this game. There are <laughs> moments in this game that made me cringe. And none more so than several moments that included, listen, I know a lot of people probably love Justice Smith. <laughs> It is of my personal opinion that I think he has the acting chops of uh, one of my kitchen cabinets. Um, I hate to be... Katara has more acting skills sometimes. Yeah, my, my little cat Katara has more acting chops than Justice Smith does. And again, think, I think that he's probably a great human being and he's probably a nice guy. I just don't think he's a great actor. There's a line late in the game. You're running through the Hackett house because events have transpired. I won't spoil all that. Um, and Vincent transferred. Bobby is chasing. And Bobby's him. chasing him. And Bobby has this line where he yells, "You can't run from me in my own house, fucker." And Ryan looks dead at the camera and goes, "You're a fucker." You're a fucker. And it's just, it's one of those where I'm like, y'all were in the sound booth. He said said it like that, and y'all said that that was okay. See, and that that's funny because the line that threw me off wasn't the "You're a fucker." It was. Bobby's whole reaction to after he stabs Ryan, Ryan turns around and you have the option to stab Bobby. And Bobby just acts like a giant man child and is like, that really hurt. Like <laughs> in, for a grown man who grew up in the boonies. Yeah, for real. <laughs> to have this child voice of, that really hurt, dad. Yeah, like, it's, it's kind of, there's moments like that that are fun. It's like, I think the unintentional humor so often in media, whether it's movies, whether it's games, that unintentional humor doesn't work hardly ever. I'm not going to lie. The more and more that I've had a chance to think about this game and play through this game a couple times, I hate that I'm about to say this, but it kind of worked for me. It kind of worked. Like, it kind of, it kind of, it actually kind of worked with the vibe. Now, the dialogue is still not great for every character. Dylan has a couple other lines besides the one that I just said. He has a couple other lines that are weird. Uh, Jacob, I feel like Jacob, of all the characters here, not named Ryan, if I had to rank him, he's probably like barely ahead of Ryan because a lot of his dialogue, it just kind of feels like a salty high school boy. Which, to be fair, it's what he is. To be fair, it's what he is. A salty high school boy who's been dumped. And isn't taking it well. That's literally what it comes off as. I know that's like part of the story. It's part of the story. I get that. But at some point, as I've said in other games, um, when we did Horizon Forbidden West, I criticized Aloy's character development because she constantly had this mindset of, I have to do this alone. I can't do this with help. And there was never any growth from that. There was never really all that much growth from Jacob in all that honesty. Like at some point you would think, okay, dude, listen, your life is on the line. Worrying about this girl the least of your issues right now. So it's just, for me, that his character didn't work all that well. I thought the Hackett's were all, for the most part, I thought they were all pretty good at what they needed to do. Um, I think the I, think, one I didn't like was Constance. Yeah, well, to be fair, we spent like the least amount of time with her, to be fair. 
We spend like no time with Constance, and if it's and, and the grandkids. Yeah, the grandkids. Like we only ever see Caleb. The only time you ever see Caleb in human form is if he survives to the end of the game, and he obviously transforms back into a human from a werewolf. Um, you never see him as a as a human outside of that. Uh, and then obviously Kaylee Hackett, her death I think is one of the only like it is one of the only deaths that you cannot prevent in the game. Her death always happens. Um, just because it's yep. part of the story. Um, but I think that the story of this game really works. Now, the gameplay, on the other hand, I do understand a lot of the criticism that the gameplay kind of got kind of gets stale. I do kind of understand that. Now, does it work for me as someone who enjoys point and clicks? Yeah, it works for me. This is not the most exciting game to play. This is a hell of a game to watch somebody else play. Which is exactly, oh, yeah. which is exactly what Until Dawn was. Until Dawn was the same way. It was a great game to watch someone else play. Wasn't necessarily a fun game to play yourself. Um, I think that Supermassive Games they they do need to maybe look into reworking the formula a little bit in terms of gameplay. Maybe just adding a little bit more. I I will say one thing they did evolve was the shooting mechanics in the game. The few times you are able to fire a gun and Until Dawn. You had to aim the cursor at a very specific spot on the screen, and if you didn't do that with pinpoint accuracy in a matter of seconds, your character was dead. This game, it's more, okay, we don't need to make you do that. We're going to give you a flashlight on this shotgun, and obviously the bullet is going to go where the flashlight's pointing. We don't need to make you hit a certain target. You just need to shoot relatively close to where that flashlight is aiming. So I do think that that worked for me. I think as a whole, I look at this game, and this game, I, this is a game I wasn't like crazy excited for. But like this, me. but but the, well, like the funny thing is, I went into GameStop to get another game that uh, we're going to be talking about soon: Mario Strikers Battle League, um, a game that I wish we. Yeah, if I'm talking to future me after we record this, oh boy, we're gonna we're not gonna have the nicest things to say about that game, uh, but. I went in there, took some games back, got Strikers completely for free, and I was like, you know, I really came in here wanting to spend money. I asked, you know, the guy was like, hey, do you have any extra copies of the Quarry for PS5? And he had like three extra copies, so I bought one. Uh, and to be honest, it, it came off as a game that I was like, you know, maybe I'll take this game back and put it towards another game uh, when I'm done. And honestly, I really like this game. Really, really like this game. I could very well see this game making my top ten at the end of the year. And I think that if you're a fan of horror, I think this is a game you should definitely try. And the other thing we haven't really talked about, Thacker, the game runs really, really well. It, oh, most definitely. It runs really, really well. I mean, we talk about performance a lot, and this might not be the game to talk about performance really all that much. But this, the 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 face, the, the the facial images, the 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 face facial captures, it looks good. These the these characters, perfect the light the lighting the lighting does a good job of setting the mood for sure. Um, I will tell you one thing that stuck out about this game visually. I was about six chapters into this game, my first playthrough, and I said, you know, I think Dacker, you know what I'm about to say. I was like, you know, it's funny because six chapters in, I was like, this game has been really tame for an M-rated game. Oh, Lord. <laughs> it was really tame for for an M-rated oh, game. Oh, and then, about to do. and then I did my you know my run where I killed every character off to get the trophy. And holy shit, does this game get brutal? This game gets really, really violent, really, really quickly, and it's crazy because. 
it doesn't really have that vibe early on in the game. Up until about chapter, I'd say, 7, it doesn't really have that vibe of being super violent. Even the few deaths that are possible before then, uh, you know, even the few deaths that are possible before chapter 7, they're not like the craziest, goriest deaths that I've seen in video games. Like, they're relatively tame, all things considered. You get to, like, chapter 7. Chapter 7, there's a there's a moment. It's one of the best moments of the game that I'm not going to spoil for anybody where uh, somebody loses an appendage. But it, it, it's... From that point on, the game gets incredibly violent. If like, The deaths get brutal and gory. And I remember that being something in Until Dawn that stuck out to me was just, you know, when your characters died, boy, you felt it. Because they were put through hell on their deaths. Uh, Thacker, let me ask you, what was, and we'll put another spoiler alert, what was your, what was the death that stuck out the most to you? Oh, Lord. So, my first playthrough, I left two counselors alive. Um, because I messed up part of the story, so I, I couldn't kill everyone. But I left two alive. But... Out of the other ones that I had killed, I think it's probably a tie between two of them. Okay. Um, because just the pure art and graphical look of it was just brutal. Um, and I'll probably start with my second least favorite versus my favorite. Your second or, least favorite or second most no, favorite? My second most favorite okay. versus my first favorite um my second one is hands down constance her Ooh, boy oh lord that was that was the first one for me where i was like holy cow this just got violent i saw that after it happened paused the screen to where it was just that yeah stepped away and had a cigarette and just kind of sat there and reminisced on how like wow okay that it's disturbing. It's really disturbing. Yeah. Cool. So that's probably my second favorite. My first, though, hands down. Let me uh, guess. The, Let me guess. The pure, the pure brutality. Was it? Was it? Was it Ryan's? Was Ryan's? Yeah, Ryan's. Ryan has some of the most brutal Chris, ones in the game. Chris just took that thing and straight through the head. He took. He literally. If you. If you. Forgo your opportunity to take a shot with the shotgun. The werewolf grabs the shotgun and literally just takes the butt of it, shoves it straight through his head. It is fucking crazy. And at the end, when it goes back and shows who lived, who died, and it just has that quick little slow motion look on his face. Oh my lord, I was... I, I, to be honest, I did not eat dinner that night. Yeah, you almost don't want to look at it. It was it was pretty no, gory. You, no, you... You almost feel bad and want to let him live after if, if yeah. you made it this far without worrying about spoilers and you want to play this game, you almost kind of want Ryan to live just so you don't have to see it. But I know your curiosity, you're going to go do it. You're going to let him die. Well, the crazy but, thing is, is that his other death that can, he has three different deaths in that one scene that can really? occur. He has three different deaths. So there's that one. And then the other two occur if you shoot Chris. Those are the those are the other two occur if you do. 
but they depend on one thing. They depend on, well, they depend on a couple things, actually. So we're about to get into a little bit of story here. Again, spoilers, you know, this is your time to get away if you don't want to hear any spoilers. Um, so the first thing is, obviously, you mentioned Bobby Stab's rhyme with the knife. Well, mm-hmm. there's it gives you an option a little bit later. You can pull the knife out or you can leave it in. Obviously, if you know anything about stab wounds, you want to leave the knife in because the moment you pull it out, you start losing blood. Yep. You start losing blood, and eventually you'll lose enough blood to where it'll kill you. Um, uh-huh. Well, if you pull the knife out, and then when Laura, who has at this point been bitten or has been infected as a werewolf, when she gives you the option to accept her bite so that you'll heal, if you refuse it, in that scene, if you shoot Chris and Laura turns back to normal, you die to blood loss right there. Okay. So that's the most tame death right there. The other one is from a completely different set of choices. This is provided you accepted her bite, accepted the infection, and you didn't pull the knife. In addition, in the jail cell as Laura in Chapter 7, if you shoot Travis once but don't shoot him twice, Travis will then kill Laura after that, after you shoot Chris in that scene. He will then kill Laura... And if you fail the quick time event with Ryan, he takes the shotgun and pretty much shoots Ryan's head off. So we get two chances for Constance. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, it, I think I think Constance's is worse. I think Constance's is worse. Really? I think hers is worse. You can look it up when we get off here. Um, we're probably. I'm glad we're listed as mature because we're getting into some like deep violent shit here. Um, but, oh, but I think that those deaths are all really interesting. Um, what one, about you? What's your what's your favorite? What's one story based death that I was like, it hit really differently when I killed every character off. Like this was one character I didn't want to kill off, and I hated because it's like one of the only ways she can die. Uh, is is when Nick kills Abby. That one because it is just I totally forget about that story wise. It is so brutal. Because obviously it's these two... A, it's a little heart-wrenching, too. These two are obviously into each other. They finally start to hook up during this night, and then Nick gets bitten and infected. And he ends up turning. And again, if you fail the QTE, he ends up killing Abby, which is a trophy, unfortunately, on PlayStation. So if you want to platinum it, you kind of have to let it happen. But that was like the first death where I was like, I don't feel good about that at all. Like, I hate that. I hate every bit of that. So that's the death that really stuck out with me. The joke um, I made was still funny, though. You did you did make a very, very funny joke at that time. And we're gonna I leave mean, we that. are going to we're gonna, we're we're gonna leave that one unsaid. For, oh, <laughs> we're going to leave. We're going to leave it unsaid as we wrap <laughs> this up. But the quarry as a whole, gameplay-wise, it's really good. It does kind of get a little stale near the end, but does enough story-wise to keep you interested. The story's great. It's very well written. The dialogue hits for the most part. The few instances that it doesn't hit can be unintentionally funny. And honestly, if you just accept it for what it is, it can still work for you. I think this is a game that even for seventy dollars, for seventy dollars, yeah. If you if you're getting it on PS Five or Xbox Series X, I think this is a game that's worth it because I think that a lot of people that love this game will play this game multiple times. And I think that this is a really, really, really good spiritual successor to until dawn it's a good step up from until dawn in my opinion um i don't know where i would rank it in my favorite games of this year right now but i mean it's definitely in there and we've seen quite a few good games especially here in the last few months we've seen quite a few good games and we've still got a lot on the docket for this year but 
That is going to do it for this episode of Side Mission. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Side Mission Pod. You can follow Kyle Thacker, Matt, and I individually as well. We love more followers. But for Thacker, I'm Rusty Ellis. Thanks for listening.